You're listening to the Grace Covenant Statesville audio podcast. Just tell you a little story starting out. I heard about this uh, college professor. He told his students he was going to prove that there is no God. He said, God, if you're real, I want you to knock me off this platform. And I'll give you 15 minutes to do it. So he put a time clock on his desk, and every minute that went by, he kept taunting God, saying, Here I am, God, I'm still waiting. Here I am, I'm waiting for you. About that time, a 300-pound football player, a lineman walking down the hall, heard what he was saying. He rushed in there, put his shoulder down, knocked the professor flying off the platform. The professor got up in a daze and said, What in the world did you do that for? And he said, God was busy, so he sent me. Today we continue our four-week series entitled The Life God Blesses. And we've talked about different principles in our lives that that God's blessing through His Word. And we started out talking about brokenness and how we have to be broken and and able to receive God's blessing. We're talking about surrender and how we have to uh, lower ourselves and humble ourselves and just give it all up to God and and put up our white flag, so to speak. And today we're going to talk about holiness. Because God is holy, He has called us to live holy, and that brings honor to Him. Amen? Would you agree with that? There's not a whole lot of talk about holiness, uh, you know, as a popular word today in church, but it's still a part of God's Word, and that's why we feel it's important to look at it. It's because God thinks that that is important, and His Word also shows that, uh, as we're going to see today, that Jesus Christ provides for us through Holiness, And not for our holiness, we can't do it on our own, right? We have to use the Word and through the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. But the way to holiness is through the provision of Jesus Christ. We have been saved from the power and penalty of sin, and we've been made righteous. Now, the definition of holiness is this. It comes from the root word, which means to cut or to separate. It means to be set apart, to be distinct, to be different. It is to be so close to God, to be like Him, and to seek His presence and fellowship with all of our hearts. So holiness is is an aspect that the life God blesses, but it's also an aspect that brings us closer to God when we're more like Him. And holiness is also a, a stark contrast, I think, to the world. Right? And we shouldn't really blend in. We should stick out because of our holiness, right? I don't know if you've noticed lately, but our culture uh, is is completely different than what the Bible speaks of in what we celebrate and what we appreciate, what we honor, uh, and how we live our lives. It's completely different than what God intended for our lives to look like. But it's not something we can manufacture by just grit, right? We can't just go through the life and say, okay, I'm going to be holy like God. I'm going to do it on my own. No, it's more than that. It's, uh, it's more than willpower because it's motivated by the Holy Spirit within us to make us holy. Now, in, in my life, there, there might be some things that I'm working on and I want God to, to help me with because I can't do it on my own. And just like we talked about last week, we have to surrender our will unto His, right? We have to surrender our preferences to His. And the same thing can be said for being like God and being holy. And Jesus says, uh, God says in the Word, be holy for I am holy, right? And so we're going to look into that today. But the key thing to remember is on our own, holiness isn't attainable. Holiness isn't attainable just on our own will and our own merit. We have to use another 
uh, power, so to speak. Turn in your Bibles today or look on our screen. We're going to be reading from 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 13 through 16. And today, this sermon is formatted a little bit uh, differently because we, we want to offer these points about holiness and how we can uh, work in that life God has blessed us, but we're also going to offer a response time at the end where we tell our Creator He is holy because that's really what this is all about. It's positioning our lives in a way that we can tell God He is holy and live our lives in that same way. And so 1 Peter 1, 13 says this, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Christ Jesus is revealed as coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, and the last part of this is this, Be, be holy because I am holy. So just like we read last week with Romans chapter 1 and 2, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. That's part of it, right? Holy and acceptable, which is your spiritual act of worship, the Bible says. And this here is further confirming that and working through this series, God is blessing a life of holiness and surrender and brokenness and all these things. And these are hard messages to preach. Anybody can say amen on that? They're hard messages to listen to because it why? It deals with our heart. And sometimes when we're studying these things and we're listening to these things, man, God has a sense. The Holy Spirit speaks to us and says, hey, there's an area right there you need to work on. It opens us up when we surrender, when we say, hey, I realize I'm not holy. And we need to work on some things in our life. And so there's a call that we have to holy living that Jesus has asked us to enter into. And the first point today is this. As Christ followers, we are in a constant struggle. How many would agree with that? As Christ followers, we're in a constant struggle. You know, the struggle every day is real. There's so many temptations around us. Would you agree? You know, you turn on the TV, you can see temptation, right? You get on the computer, you can see temptation. You go to the restaurant, you can see temptation for me, right? You know, different things for different people, right? But one of the things that we struggle with uh, in regards to holiness is, is we're in a constant struggle every day. And that's good that we recognize we are. Because we recognize at that point our need for a Savior. In the first Peter, in the 1 and 13 that we just read, it says that minds be alert and fully sober. And then it says this, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at His coming. But with the struggle, we know that there is an adversary. Would you agree? There's somebody who is always working against us. That doesn't sound very comfortable to talk about, but... If we look in the Bible, at 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert and sober-minded again. Your enemy, the devil, what does he do? He prowls around like a roaring lion. And he's not just looking to you know, get in your business. The Bible says he's looking for somebody to devour. He's looking for somebody to destroy. John 10, 10, the devil comes only to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. So if we know that, if we know we're in this constant struggle, we start to recognize that the devil is strong. He's not just here to interfere with us a little bit. He's here to destroy us. He's here to take... Look, there's stories and stories and stories that people tell me on Saturday and Sunday. Man, some of my friends I see on Facebook that it's the worst day of the week because the devil knows you're coming to church. The devil knows that God's got a blessing for you. 
He will do everything in his power to kill, steal, and destroy from you. But there is good news. The devil is strong, but there's a power that he can't beat, and that's the power that lives inside of you and me, and that's Jesus Christ. He gives us the power over the enemy. And it's very... Uh, constant struggle because we always have that struggle of the sinful nature and the spirit nature. And Paul talks about that in Galatians 5 and he says this, So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. Paul even writes... I know what I'm doing is not what I want to do, right? But what I do want to do, I'm not able to do. He says, I'm, I'm weak. And then he goes on to say, further, my, my weakness is made strong through his strength, not through his own strength. So they're always in conflict with each other, the spirit and the flesh. Look, for me, I can talk bluntly about it, openly about it with my struggle with food. Because it's a struggle for me. And I feel it's directly related to my spirituality. I can just per- personally tell you, when I'm overeating and when I'm, if you will, binge eating, so to speak, I feel horrible. Not only my body, but my spirit. Because I know that's not what God has for me. That's not what the best intentions are. Now, every now and then there's not nothing wrong with a Krispy Kreme donut or two, right? But my problem is I can't stop with just one or two Krispy Kreme donuts. It becomes 12. <laughs> and so you're you, you right there with me, brother. What, did anybody bring Krispy Kreme today? Because I'd be really ashamed if somebody's bringing Krispy Kreme to this cookout. I'm so sorry. Uh, well, that's true. I'll be, I'll be standing up to my temptation because I've already given him one time this weekend <laughs> to Krispy Kreme. But I can share that with you because it's an area that I openly struggle with. And I've lost some weight. Yeah, I've gotten uh, a lot more healthy than I was at the beginning of last year. Look, this shirt didn't even fit last year this time. So that's a, a benefit of living a life uh, that I feel like God has called me to be holy in that area. Right? And it's not easy. Right? When, uh, for example, for today, I cooked a pumpkin pie. I actually, you know, when you make a pumpkin pie, though, there's always mix for two pumpkin pies. So the other pumpkin pie, uh, you know, didn't survive the onslaught. Okay, there's half of it still left, but that's not the point. The point is I can talk openly about that because it's an area I struggle with, and I don't mind sharing that with you because you need to know that even a pastor can struggle with things in their lives. There's things in my life, there's things in your life that are not holy, right? And we need God to help us deal with those things. And I can just honestly tell you that on my own strength, I am no good against a box of Krispy Kreme donuts. Okay? Now, at the staff retreat, they brought four or five boxes of Krispy Kreme donuts, and I didn't have any. That was amazing. That was amazing, but that wasn't my willpower. You know? It's the first time I've ever done that in my life. Um, but anyway, so we're in a constant struggle, and sometimes in your life there are things where you feel like you're not gaining ground. You keep on going down the path you don't want to go. And that's where the hope we have in Christ Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit 
gives us that power to overcome the devil who comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. In the second part of that verse, we talk about it none compared to the, the first part is that Jesus has come to give us life and life to the full. And if we live like that, we can overcome those struggles. Amen? Second point today is this. We're called to rule over sin rather than allowing sin to rule over us. And the verse 14 there says this, As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Is there something in your life that you did before becoming a Christian? Or becoming accepting Christ in your life? That you did and then you found out was not really the right thing to do? Is there anybody that could say that? There's something that maybe you, you did before you were Christian, maybe a habit or something, and then you broke that habit through the power of Christ, the Holy Spirit, you know, once you accepted Christ. The Bible says here, don't conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. Paul even tells us that in Romans chapter 5 and 6. That, you know, before the law, I didn't know what sin was. But now that the law is here, I have an idea. Because the evangelical world has managed to redefine sin. Because we've come to know it as an acceptable, normal, just part of everyday behavior. And not to be eradicated, but something perhaps to be tamed or controlled. And the problem is that sin is like one of those um, things that fester. The more you let it go on and on, the worse it's going to get, right? Without dealing with the problem. And someone told me, I forget who it was this week, but we were talking, and if it's one of you, I apologize. Somebody was talking about it, and they were talking about pruning plants and then dealing with the root of the issue. And unless you deal with the root, the plant's going to come right back. The weed is going to come right back. The, the thorns are going to come right back unless you deal with that root. And the same thing can be said of sin in our lives. We have to deal with the root of the issue. And a lot of times it's our pride. It's recognizing that it's not about me. It's more than that. And when we realize that, we can cut that off. Because God has called us to live holy and separate from sin because He knows the damage and the danger of sin in our lives. Look, there's a quote that I love from Ravi Zacharias that says, Sin will take you farther than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay. Maybe you've heard that before. I've heard it a long time ago, but it's still a great uh, quote to say because... It is true. When you first get introduced to something and, and it becomes an addiction like food even, I can use that, it doesn't like immediately say, okay, what I'm doing is wrong. It waits until it's caused a problem and you gain all this weight and you're 302 pounds and you can't walk down the street without getting winded and, and those kinds of things. That's when you see the problem, but that started way a long time earlier. The same thing can be said for drug and alcohol use and anything. It started with just one time. You know, there was a thief that uh, stole $2 million worth of nickels. And they were talking to him on the, on the interview. And you know, they said, well, how would you get started in stealing nickels? Because that's quite a, quite a few millions of dollars of nickels. That's a lot of nickels. He ended up robbing a coin truck. Well, come to find out, when he was uh, small, his grandfather owned a general store. And he would steal a nickel every week out of that uh, cash register. And then it would become an everyday thing. And then... All of a sudden, he had all these nickels, and so later in his life, guess what? That sin has festered into something bigger. 
And so we really want to rule over sin rather than allowing it to rule over us. There's four little points there about sin because uh, it's right there under point number two. And it says this, sin will disappoint you. It looks good. It's enticing. That's the devil's job is to make it look good, right? All you can eat from this tree is going to make you like God. It tastes, it's the best, best fruit in the garden. You've never had anything like this. Just one sip, just one pill, just one shot, just one bite. And then it leads to something else. But sin will disappoint you because it will leave you feeling empty. Look, after you've ate that whole box of donuts, you feel really empty even. Just being honest. After you've gone through that period of time where you've uh, involved in that addiction, you, you over eat or over whatever, you feel empty. You feel disappointed because you wanted it to make you full. You wanted it to take care of an empty spot in your heart, but it didn't do that. So it'll disappoint you. The enticement of sin looks better than it is. Sin will deceive you. You know, the grass is always greener on the other side. That's what we say, right? And, it, and we can say that about families or, or cars or houses or girlfriends or spouses or whatever we say. Sin is deceptive. It makes things look better than they actually are. Sin will dominate you. It's not only going to deceive you, it's not only going to disappoint you, but it will dominate you. Because you're not prepared to handle the domination of sin without a need for a Savior. Sin will take over parts of your life that you didn't want to lose. You'll lose family, relationships, jobs, resources that you had. It will take you down a path where you didn't want to go. And then lastly, it will destroy you. Consume your every, every thought. Now, the, the tendency for us is to say, nope, not me. I don't have any sin. I've been living with the Lord for so long. I've been in ministry for you know, t- so long. I don't, I don't have sin in my life. The tendency is for us to say, I don't have anything in my life that needs adjusting. But that's pride coming. And sometimes it re- we really need to get rid of that so that God can really work. Because there's barriers that need to be pushed through. And I feel like this, this church is at a barrier right now that we need to push through. Why? Because moving into the next season, God, God has a plan. And just as they were singing that song today, there is nothing that can stop the plan of God. No man can stop it. No amount of money can stop it. No person can stop it. The mission is going forward. So you might as well get on board with God's plan. Guess what? Because it's going to happen, right? God's going to do His thing if we get out of the way. But if we're not careful, pride can say, not me, that doesn't affect me, because I've done it before. Sitting in church all my life, I've said that. And then I allow the Holy Spirit to say, hmm, what does the Bible say about pride? Pride, be- pride becomes before what? A fall and destruction. And those kinds of things speak life. So today, ask the Holy Spirit to help you in your life find an area that needs work and work on it. Don't give up. Yes, sin is deceptive. Yes, sin destroys you. Yes, sin will deceive you and and it's dangerous and all these things. But guess what? There's power. There's life that can help you overcome that. And today the last point is this. We are called to be holy as God is holy. And worship team is going to actually come forward.
and, and get prepared to lead us again in worship while I'm speaking about this. But in verse 16 that we've already read, it says this, Be holy for what? For I am holy. And Paul, he writes, he says, Follow my example as I follow the example of who? Christ. And so if we're following that example, we're going to want, we're going to desire, we're going to follow after holiness. Now holiness isn't just a denomination, right? I came from a church... And, and it's called the Pentecostal Holiness Church. And back in the 60s and 70s, there was a huge holiness movement. That's not what we're talking about here. We're talking about holiness as far as God defined in the Bible. God defined in Scripture as saying, be holy for I am holy. Because if we all admit it, look, Romans tells us that we all fall short of the glory of God. That means everyone, pastors, preachers, evangelists, whoever. We all fall short of God's glory. We can't equal up. His glory is too great for us. And that's when you start to realize, I am less and He is more. And it's a huge step in your relationship with Christ because the call to holiness is a call to follow Christ. It's not self-centered because then it becomes about legalism and rules and and moralism and self-righteousness. But it's not about that. It's about following after God. Hebrews 12 says this, Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Because this, without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Isn't that awesome? No one will see the Lord without holiness. God has called His people to be set apart. A royal priesthood, a holy nation. So that his plan can go forward. And so the pathway to holy living that brings honor to God. And it positions us individually and corporately. It involves this. And there's four simple steps to close with today. The first step is this. It, re- it involves routine repentance. 1 John 1.9 says this. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. All we have to do is admit we're a sinner. Admit we've missed the mark. Routine repentance. Look, (laughs) before I preach, every time, God forgive me of my sin. Help me to see something that I need to see. And I wish I could say that I do that every day because I really need to. God, forgive me of my sin. Help me to be more like you. Help me to be holy. So routine repentance. The second thing is this, living the Word. Not just hearing the Word, but doing God's Word and living it out. 2 Timothy 3.16 says, All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, depending on what translation you're reading, instructing. It's guiding, if you will, the way for us to go. Why? So that the servant of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. What's the point of God's word? To equip us. To send us out. What's the purpose of church? So we can prepare for the ministry. So we can be edified and build each other up. There's certainly more to it than that. But today, the third point is this. Embrace the refining of the Holy Spirit. Reminded of the portion of scripture that says we're going to be tested. Or, or 
where Jesus is telling about the testing of the, the materials with fire and the hay and straw burn up and the, the metals, they stay the same, right? They don't change and they're being purified and refined. In fact, when we're making these sharp swords and knives, the, the process of, of heating up and cooling and heating up and cooling, sometimes it can make metal brittle, but there's also a process that can make it stronger. And these big Japanese swords go through that refining process, but in the same way, our minds and our hearts go through that refining process through the Holy Spirit. John 16 says this, When He, the Spirit of truth, comes, He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on His own. He will speak and He will tell you what is yet to come. So we embrace the refining of the Holy Spirit. And then lastly, we choose God's way over the world's way. How many of you know it's harder each day that goes by to choose God's way over the world's way? That's why we have to be ready and on guard because like we said, the devil is prowling. He's, he's around us trying to seek who he can devour. 1 John 2 says this, Do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from the Father, but from the world. The word, the world, excuse me, and its desires pass away. But whoever does the will of God lives forever. Wow. secret to live a long time. The Bible says that whoever does the will of God lives forever. Isn't that exciting news? So, just in closing today, as Christ followers, we were in a constant struggle. We're called to rule over sin rather than allowing sin to rule over us. And then we're called to be holy as God is holy. And there's some practical ways we went over that we can do that. But today, would you stand just want you to stand with me and and begin to reflect on your own life. Goodness, there's areas in my life where I need the Lord to move. Where I need the Lord to show me things that maybe I need to recommit some, uh, some good practices to Him. Because just as I shared, there's a struggle with my sin and there's a struggle with my behavior. There's also a remedy for it. God gives us a brain for a reason, right? There's a process, there's safeguards that I can put in a place to help me with that. Like not going to Krispy Kreme. That's a safeguard. Not having it in the house. Not going to places where it's going to be offered. That's a safeguard. So we can do that. But God, when those things we took precaution, we took preparation, we've done those things with our, our lives, that there's still that situation presented. We can be ready for that through the power of the Holy Spirit. Because we can't do it just like we said on our own. So would you pray with me today? Father, thank you so much for this word. God, we want to be holy just like you are. And just like in Isaiah chapter 6, when the vision was given, he saw the Lord seated on the throne. And then all the angels would gather around and they sang, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. The whole earth is filled with His glory. If you look around hard enough, you can see the glory. But God, today we just ask for Your presence. We ask for Your Spirit to come into our hearts and to change us, to transform us, to make us more like You. Help us to see areas, Lord, that we need to submit 
unto you where you can move in holiness through us. So God, today let us worship you in spirit and in truth as we are worshiping with this last song. And help us to give honor to you because you are holy. And God, that's where we want to be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org. 